shall we begin? Hey everyone, and welcome to Legion Quest. This is your premier destination for all things involving the FX TV show Legion. I'm Zach Jenkins, and with me as always is my co-host, Matt Sibley. Hi. I wasn't sure whether I was going to be asked how I was doing. Yeah, you know, I was supposed to do that, and I <laughs> planned on doing that, and then I just stopped talking for some reason. <laughs> it's been a while since we've done one of these, Matt, hasn't yeah. it? Even longer than usual. It is. So here's the thing, guys. It's technically still August as we record this, so this counts. This counts as our monthly episode. It may be out in time for Thursday, but who knows? I mean, look, Matt, whatever happens. The <laughs> Matt, Matt does the uh, editing on this, and due to some choices that I made recently, I have learned to appreciate how much work goes into podcast editing. That's, that's some. Yeah, speaking of that, Matt, what have you been doing for the last month? Oh, uh, it's you know, nearly the end of summer, so people have been back before we're heading off to uni and stuff like that. It's been hanging out with them. And now it's you know, very close to being the point where my family has stopped having time off and everything. Mm. But it's also at the point where Secret Empire is nearly done, so it balances out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, here's what I've read of Secret Empire. I read the third issue of Secret Warriors because mm. I wanted to pick that up, and Matthew Rosenberg's very good. Yeah. And that, that was a good thing. It also had a bunch of X-Men's, and I like those. And then I've read the uh, I read the X Men one shot they had and the X Men Blue crossover part of it, which oh, yeah. wasn't great at all. No. It was it was a week it was the weakest part of that whole run right now. Mm. But it is almost over. It, it it ends today, doesn't it? Well, wait, well, no, because they <laughs> added a special extra ending issue because they can't end events. Yeah, the the main series is done, but then there's the Omega oh stuff, like, two weeks away, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad that I don't, you know, professionally mm. review comics, because yeah. this doesn't sound like a fun time. No, uh, we had, some, or someone on the team has handled, like, all of them, and I'm so thankful that they have, because I could, like, I didn't want it, I didn't want it to be, like, my turn to come up to bat and be like, okay, let's try and find... You know, 750 words about this. Right. Well, what's weird about it to me, and yes, this is super off topic, but yeah. whatever, guys. <laughs> you, you know our brand. You it's, know what, It's you topical know. conversation right now. Yeah. Uh, what's weird is there's a lot of people who I've seen who absolutely love it. They think it's the best event that's ever been done, ever. Mm. Which, I mean, fine. If, if that's true, I'm okay with that. I haven't read it. I can't make a judgment. Mm. But the more professional reviewers I've seen, and not just on Newsrama, mm. have been a lot more critical, not of the story content per se, because obviously that's a big controversial thing, mm. but of like the pacing of the book and how dialogue is written and how the art teams are meshing. Mm. Like it, It's weird to me that Steve McNiven and Andrea Sorrentino are drawing the same book yeah also pe a, yeah people like matt wilson are coloring steve mcniven i think that might even be in today's issue 
Oh, the one where he, it looks like it's uh, John Romita Jr. art? Yes. Yeah, I saw I saw some pinup for that. I was very surprised. Yeah, but like it, I'm in a way I'm happy that it kind of has those flaws because it means that we don't have to focus completely on Hydra Cap and the connotations of all of that and needing to dig into it. Right, because but no it, one's written a think piece on Hydra Cap. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> but at the same time, that makes it more frustrating because it has all of these other issues and because there are quite a number of them it almost sounds like to the people who were so used to like each uh company or you know blog putting out something about hydrocap it's now like oh you're just piling on and nitpicking or whatever right no it's i'm guessing it's real good not to have to do that yeah so i Again, I've not read Secret Empire in the last month because I've done other things. Uh, I forgot how long it's been since we recorded. So uh, in the last month, I've had two fairly significant life events. One, I graduated from grad school. Congratulations. So I'm finally done with school for the rest of my life ever. Thank you. I am now a master of business administration, which is a lot of fun. Hmm. I can administer so much business so much more effectively. <laughs> it is a fun title. Yeah, it's it's exciting. And you can put those letters at the end of your name on LinkedIn, and people will only think you're kind of horrible. <laughs> like, you still shouldn't do it, but you can see the benefit if other people are doing it too. Yeah. People are just going to side-eye you and say, okay, come on, we all know what that is. <laughs> yeah, but the people that don't, that's oh, better. Yes. They're like, oh, letters. Well, like... The issue, like I did my undergrad in engineering, mm. and there's a uh, there was a joke when we were in engineering school, you know, just about business kids and how their job and their school was a lot less strenuous than ours. Mm. And going through that on a graduate level, I feel a hundred percent justified about my biases. <laughs> I was right; it was not as hard. It was a lot of work, and it. I'm still very happy with my accomplishment. They still haven't sent me my degree, which is a little frustrating, but like I know I have it in my heart uh, <laughs> and on my transcript, and those are the important places. Yeah, still proof. Yeah. Uh, beyond that, I started a podcast. I think I uh, I think I brought up that I was doing something last I, month. I feel like the last one of this we did was the week that you started teasing it. Yeah, uh, recorded that. It's called Battle of the Atom. I do it with a guy whose name is Adam Reck. He draws a webcomic called Bish and Jubes. And we take three X-Men stories and we put them on a list from best to worst every week. It's a lot of fun. It, the, like, the thing from this week's episode, like the Cyclops, he knows what he did, made me laugh real hard out loud. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's actually been a super good time to do. We uh, just recorded uh, one this weekend for with our first guest which oh. is going to be fun it it's uh luke Hare from exiled podcast and multiversal q and my twitter feed so <laughs> it's been it's been a lot of fun we're we're looking to do some more stuff like that actually next week i say next week like we aren't three episodes ahead of in recording time Ooh, that's but the next episode next episode i record how about that <laughs> is unequivocally the worst X-Men story I've ever read. Is that the one that you were live-tweeting, like, last yes. weekend? Yes, to the point where <laughs> I feel offended by it. 
I'm not joking. <laughs> oh god. Like this is this is bad. And CB Sabolski like edited oh, it. Wow. <laughs> like I kind of want to just talk to him and be like, "Okay, dude, you're in charge of hiring all the creative people at Marvel. Can you please justify this?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's bad. <laughs> but that's what's been going on with me. And today, we have something that we wanted to do that was Legion-related as we wait for more content. Please give us that fix, FX. Approaching ever closer to 2018, where it should be soon. It should be soon. But, you know, uh, The Gifted comes out in October, so we definitely have something to talk about then. And it's in Uh, human premiere week in IMAX! Matt, you're not going to IMAX to see Inhumans, right? Not at the moment. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, that's a show that I still don't know if I'm going to watch. The concept of Lockjaw does always make me happy, and that may carry everything for me through eight weeks of... I mean, look, can it be worse than Iron Fist? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> because Iron Fist was bad. And he hasn't gotten better through the four episodes of Defenders I've watched. People yeah, have just started to make fun of him more, which I appreciate. Yeah, that's definitely the high point. Ah, oh, yeah. So, okay. So what we were going to do that was Legion-related is there's a there's a good all-star cast in Legion. Mm-hmm. And what we wanted to do is go through them and let you know what else they've been in, what we've liked of their stuff, and if you, you know, enjoy the performance on Legion, you can you can check them out these other places. So who do you want to start with? Perhaps the main character? Perhaps. <laughs> perhaps we should start with Dan Stevens, who plays David Taylor. And I forgot his name for a second. <laughs> I thought it was for dramatic effect, so... No, I, I just tried to play it off like that. I straight up forgot the lead character of this show, who has been a very important, like, guy and an X-Men character for a while. So. That's okay, it's been like five months. It's been a while since that show. Come on, man. Get me back in it. Uh, but yeah, Dan Stevens. Now, Matt, when did you first become familiar with Dan Stevens? Okay, so well, Downton Abbey is or was a cultural institution here while it was airing. I did not see it in full, but enough people talked about it that I was aware that he was in it, and then how he left. Is Downton Abbey the British equivalent of Game of Thrones? I... Maybe. Because I was about to be like, oh, it's... No, because Game of Thrones is worldwide, but then I remember like, oh, Downton Abbey got nominated for Emmys like every year, and like it may not have made as big of a splash because it's like a regal upper-class drama, which is very yeah, different. Yeah, it, it's to... not trash TV, which Game of Thrones is. It's great trash TV, but it is trash TV. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Downton Abbey... Yeah. I think it probably went around the world, but may not have hit everyone when it, yeah. on its way. That's fair. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. So Downton Abbey, which I've not seen. Mm. I've, 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 I've seen... heard he's very good. I think I've seen bits and pieces and then maybe specifically the scene that he left, like, that he exits the show with. Huh. Which is, like, that bit was at least heartbreaking, even without the, I've seen everything which builds to this. Well, good talk. Yeah. Good job, Downton Abbey cast and crew. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's that. Uh, 
where I first actually got familiar with him was Legion. Like, mm. I heard he was announced for that. I was like, oh, who's this guy? I'm probably going to be watching him. But then, uh, then I had a wife who got very, very into Beauty and the Beast because it was her favorite movie growing up. Mm. And she fell in love with this live action remake thing. And then my son got super into that for a while. Mm. The, the issue is Dan Stevens is like 99% indistinguishable as Beast until he'll like do one or two facial expressions that are his weird like shruggy facial expression thing. Oh, okay. And I'm like, it's, it's eerie because otherwise it's this kind of voice modulated CGI monster. Mm-hmm. And then it has Dan Stevens' face every once in a while. And it's weird stuff. I have not seen the new Beauty and the Beast, but I've had enough people rave to me where I'm like, I will try it and see It's fine. at some point this year. Like, you've, you've seen the animated film Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. It's very popular. Uh, it's the same thing, except for with a few more odd subplots. Yeah. And a couple unnecessary extra songs. Yeah, it's like 50% longer, which is very weird to me how they managed to find that much time, but... Yeah, it's... The pacing is odd in that, not to turn this into Beauty and the Beast Corner, but because (laughs) I have a young child Hmm. who likes it, when I say I've seen Beauty and the Beast a hundred times, I really mean I've seen the first 20 minutes of Beauty and the Beast constantly. Oh, okay. Just, I've seen that over and over and over and over, Hmm. because... That's about the time that he'll get bored. Yeah. He'll be very into watching Beauty and the Beast, and then he'll be like, and I'm done. Good songs, everyone. <laughs> yeah, there has not been a small child in this house for years, so I don't remember anything of what that's like. Oh, it's quite an experience. <laughs> he experienced media very different than others. Hmm. Like, right now, my son is on a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles kick, which is... Like, I, I grew up around that time, so yeah. I can enjoy parts of that. Uh, but he has this thing, like, he'll just play around with his toys like normal. But he'll stare at the TV and say, turtles, turtles, <laughs> and make sure that's on. And then he won't pay attention to it. He'll, like, turn his head every five minutes and say, yes, there are still turtles on the screen. <laughs> and then he'll go back to, you know, playing playing with toys. It's weird how kids deal with that. Mm. But yeah, that's that's what I had on Dan Stevens. What else did you have? I have two other movies. One is from 2014 called The Guest. Have you seen it? I have not. I've heard oh, that yeah. it is a good film. Yeah, so uh, it's from Adam Wingard, who is going to be directing the Godzilla's vs. Kong movie and directed this month's Death Note, but I don't think he'd want them being brought up particularly. <laughs> And so uh, Dan Stevens is the main character. He plays the soldier who is kind of wandering through a town after, like, under the guise of, you know, I've been debriefed and now I'm looking for a place to be. And he can move in with his family. And it's sort of about, like, how, you know, he's not fully integrated into society, but it's not just because he's been away. Something's happened. And the movie digs into that eventually and then swerves and goes into, like, a more John Carpenter esque place okay it's it's sort of like a between the 70s and 80s pastiche in a way because of that huh that's nifty it's like it's not 
I, I sometimes find it a little weird when people really hype it up, but it is like solid enough where I'm like, what recommending it? I'm just confused when it's like, oh, this is absolutely amazing. I'm like, hmm. Like, not, is it a horror film? No. It won the like, Blood and Guts UK Horror Award for Best Actor. Like, I categorize it, is it more as like the act, like an action movie because of the way that it goes by the end and more of like a mystery slash thriller, but I guess like horror does fit in a way, it's just not really like a John Carpenter body horror, which I think is the distinction. Alright, your opinion is better than mine considering you've seen the movie. And then uh, from this year is uh, Colossal, which is from someone called Nacho Vigalondo. So Dan isn't in this too much because he plays a uh, Anne Hathaway is the main character called Gloria. She's kind of a drunk and she she uh, Dan Dan is her boyfriend at okay. the start, and then he kicks her out. So she goes back home, or you know, to her hometown. She then kind of meet, finds this person who she used to know, and it's eventually a kaiju shows up in South Korea to sort of explain how it gets to there and where it then goes afterwards is sort of giving away some of the fun of the movie and what it's really about, I, but then... I don't know how you just... Like, I was looking at this poster and trying to figure it out, <laughs> and, then you just, oh, and then a kaiju shows up? Which, one, it's very interesting to me how a underperforming movie like Pacific Rim introduced the phrase kaiju to like larger pop culture mm -hmm. to the point where we all know what it means and yeah. before that you didn't know that unless you were in anime club <laughs> uh which that's bizarre to me <laughs> but the fact that this movie involves giant monsters that's that that has me intrigued that's a good mm -hmm. elevator pitch right there yeah <laughs> well like to be fair it does it starts out with like a scene about the kaiju first, and then kind of goes to like the more human stuff before bringing it together in sort of an unexpected way. It's interesting to see how people react to it. But, huh. That's a good uh, concept. Yeah, and so uh, Dan is in like the opening ten minutes, and then kind of comes back towards the third act uh -huh. as everything starts to go a little bit more wrong. And so, you know, he in like that role, he isn't really given a lot. It's not like he's there to give a big dramatic speech, but as like a supporting person who can, you know, express with his face and kind of like allow that texture to a scene, it helps. That's cool. That's yeah. real cool. Uh, so that's Dan Stevens' deal. I think the next person we should go is our female lead, Rachel Keller, <laughs> who plays Sid, which is cool. Now, Rachel's not been in a ton She's no. a fairly new actress. Uh, but, I mean, I know we haven't discussed this before. I bet I know what role you want to talk about. Is it perhaps Fargo Season 2? Fargo Season 2! <laughs> which, okay, let's start Let's start this real quick. Mm. Have not watched Season 3 yet. I know there, it's an anthology thing, so it shouldn't really mm. matter. But let's just, let's just put the kibosh on any particular spoilers for that. Okay. Because I watch Fargo at my own pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't think of anything that would somehow come up in this, but it should be fine. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah. So, what what do you want to what do you want to talk about Fargo? What what makes you think about that? I think 
In that she's, uh, she's a uh, part of the like the crime family. I've somehow blanked on Gerard. the name. Gerard. Yeah, the Gerhardt clan. Yep. And that uh, she, you know, she's not entirely focused on being like a part of the Gerhardt. So she has links to some of the other more overtly antagonistic characters. Mm-hmm. And I think you know she doesn't really get that much to do because it is such a large ensemble and everything. It, she doesn't, but what she does is important. Yeah. Because I think that's why she stands out. Right. Because it isn't just like, we need another family member to occasionally be here to like, make sure an argument goes three versus two. Right. Which certain characters on that show definitely play that role. Mm. Look at you, Bear. But, <laughs> uh, no, I, I liked her as a Simone in that, I mean, Fargo season two is very, very well written. It turns out Noah Hawley is really good at writing things. I don't know why we would hold that opinion. But, uh, yeah, that works. She works very well in that role. She plays a real real firecracker, a real uh, real wrench in all the gears. She kind of screws up a lot of stuff. Like, she makes things worse constantly. But it works in character that she's not doing it in She's not doing it intentionally to hurt people around her, or hurt the majority of people around her, but she doesn't fully care about the repercussions of her actions. Yeah, it's more like self-interest without, and sort of knowing what it can lead to for other people, but not wholly focusing on that. Right. Right. No, I think it's very, it's, yeah, it's very different to Sid as well. It is. It is, because she's... Like, her character even says, I believe, that she's upset that she missed the 60s for the most part mm. in that show. Because she yeah. feels like she belongs in that free-spirited, free-love, uh, you know, late 60s era instead mm. of the era she's in now. I feel like they're both quiet in a way. Like, again, the same way that I said about Dan, that he doesn't really get, like, a big, long speech. They don't really, like, have to yell a whole lot or anything like that. But they're very different in how they go about it, I think, because of the personality differences. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. So, yeah, that's that's what I know Rachel Keller from. Yeah, I think I, it's been a while since I scrolled through the IMDb to do the research for this, but I couldn't think of anything else on there that I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's not. She's <laughs> been in, like, five things. <laughs> uh, the next, the next uh, actress I think we should talk about, because that's the next tab that I have open. Is <laughs> Aubrey Christina Plaza. Now the, the I'm, name I'm, of that is not correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's where I know her from. Mm. Now I know I'm a few years, few years older than you. So when did like Parks and Rec one? When did it get on in the UK? And when did you actually watch it, or if you have watched it? Okay, yeah, no, I've seen. I want to say sometime around. Season five or season six is when I was aware it was a thing. That that's fair. Yeah, it took it took a really long time to come over here on you know being shown on TV, and then it was shown on one of the smaller channels, and right. then I realized like oh wait it's available through Amazon Prime I can catch up like that. Right. I mean I guess it is very specifically about a city government office in Middle America. Hmm. A very fake version of that but still <laughs> like yeah. to be clear i lived in indiana for several years indiana is not like that 
for the most part. Tell me the snail. Un- until it's kind of mostly like that, it's weird. Look, the Midwest is an interesting place. <laughs> it's essentially things the size of England, but with like a quarter of the people. Okay, yeah, I get it now. Yeah, just big swaths of land, and I don't know, it's a lot of fun. I was actually uh, just out there two, three weeks ago at a bachelor party for one of my buddies. So we okay. went out to Indiana and had a good time. But yeah, Parks and Rec's very good. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't start that way. Like, <laughs> no. What people don't always remember, just because it's kind of grown into its own thing, was that mm-hmm. Parks and Rec was pitched as a spinoff of the television show The Office. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was supposed to start like that. And what was funny is when The Office came over to America, its first season was very poor. Didn't and they just reuse the like our version the for first, a few episodes? The very first episode was essentially the same script as the pilot for the British version. Then okay. they they may have used some beats, mm. but they uh, kind of started to evolve it into its own thing. Mm. Uh, but then season two came around and they kind of re-geared it. They made Michael a different character than David Brent, mm. and it worked out for the better. Uh, Parks and Rec kind of had the same problem where the first six episodes of the first season is bad to the point where I was not going to watch season two. Yeah. I said, well, in retrospect, it's a, yeah, In retrospect, it's a short season that you can speed through and be done with. But at the time, there's a lot of weeks and then a hiatus and then while season two is still finding its feet to hang on to. Yeah, like, it was, I was, I went to college that fall, so it was a spring replacement show Mm. in 2009, and I didn't like it, I said, I'm not watching you, then I went to college, and I happened to catch an episode that someone else was watching a few weeks into the season, Mm. and I said, oh, shoot, this is very good, this is a very good show now, when did that Mm. happen? So, that was... That was interesting. Yeah, Parks and Rec is good. <laughs> and April yeah. Ludgate is a very good character. She's completely deadpan in that. And right. It's like, yeah, I, I guess like because she is so deadpan throughout it, that's how she comes across in general, which is why we like Legion surprised us. Oh, yeah, because she shows well, range in Legion. Because even, uh, even outside of Parks and Rec, she's been in a lot of stuff like but in supporting roles mm-hmm. like she's in scott pilgrim versus the world yeah but she plays april ludgate <laughs> uh she's in a movie called safety not guaranteed and is she the female lead uh, in that yeah i'm trying I to remember i saw it du- once yeah she is it's her and the two duplass brothers i think i think it's just one duplass single du- a du not it's not a duplass it's a single duplass <laughs> uh yeah 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 and that was fine, but she played April Ludgate. Mm. <laughs> uh, she kind of gets screwed over by the end of that movie, but... Uh... Yeah. What else? Uh, Mike and Dave need wedding dates, which I found was a very good... It's Sunday afternoon, and I have no plans, so let's just watch this movie and eat pizza thing. Okay. Like, it wasn't a great movie, but I enjoyed it. I don't think anyone I know saw it, and I didn't, but... It's fine. Like I don't, it, being, I don't. Yeah, 
It wasn't the worst of the comedies that came out last year. No. Critical consensus. (laughs) Yeah, it was, that was absolutely fine. Like, but she plays April Ludgate. Everything I've seen (laughs) her in, she plays April Ludgate. And, uh, yeah, she doesn't do that in Legion, and it's very good. If that, well, that now feels like a role intent, like, written for her in the sense of giving her that basic grounding point. And then being able to just like to springboard into everything else. Yeah. Rather than like, hey, can you play against type immediately? Yeah, because it starts out and you start to, like, when Legion starts out, she feels a lot like, you know, the dead panty, April Ludgate character. And she becomes something darker. Yeah, that soundbite from the first episode of us going, yeah, she's playing Aubrey Plaza is going to haunt us for. The rest she of was our playing days. Aubrey Plaza in the first episode. She legitimately mm, was. <laughs> There's probably like a weird bit of con- condemnation there where we were like, mm, okay, this is what we expect from her. And she, she did much nothing better. will change. She's not bad at playing Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. She's very good. Mm. Uh, but yeah, uh, her playing Lenny Brusker, a.k.a. Amal Farouk, a.k.a. The Shadow King. Not something I expected out of this show. No. That was bonkers. It's quite a lot of names to remember now. It's, I mean, Lenny Brewster's new, but I had the re- I had the rest of those down pat. Yeah, but there's, there's like it. That's a signifier that it isn't just one thing anymore. Yeah. Well, and now we're gonna have even more people playing up uh, the Shadow King next season, which is gonna be mm. crazy. <laughs> oh. I wonder how long they can string that out for. <laughs> a while, I'm guessing. Yeah, because surely, surely once they just get bored, it's like, oh, we can find someone else just to move across into now. Yep. Yeah, that'll be good. <laughs> so, our next person on my list is Bill Irwin. Okay. That's who I had next. Yeah, I, I, yeah. No, I went down Wikipedia and just opened up new tabs for everyone. That's what okay, I did. Okay, we did, it, we did it in the same way then. Good, good. I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad we handled it that way. Yeah. I'm curious uh, what you picked for him, though. Okay, so this is going to be very specific to my experiences <laughs> and my life, specifically my life now. Uh, but Bill Irwin is Mr. Noodle from the Elmo's World segments in Sesame Street. Oh yeah, no, I do not. I do not have that on my list. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's his, uh, you know, it's his tour de force role of a mute clown who doesn't know how to listen to Elmo's instructions, which, to be fair, Elmo is three years old and very bad at giving instructions. This agrees with what I've seen of Elmo. <sighs> Elmo, okay, look, look. Tangent into Sesame Street corner. Uh, <laughs> Elmo is not the worst Sesame Street character, and I understand his appeal to children, but as a parent watching Elmo, not a fan. <laughs> not a fan of Elmo. There are Grover's a better character. The Count's a better character. Cookie Monster is an astonishingly good character, and everyone forgets that uh, because he often plays against type in the middle of a scene, but then will go eat cookies and demolish them, and that's a joke that hasn't gotten old in 40 years. (laughs) Yeah, almost just doesn't work. Abby's worse than Elbow, though, but that's... I do not know Abby. This is... We've reached the point of... Abby's a newer character. I didn't recognize her either. She is a fairy from out of town, so she is just intentionally, she is off model from all the other Muppets. 
which is odd. Oh, okay. Yeah, I found it. Yeah, like she she doesn't look hmm. she doesn't have the it's the eyes. She doesn't have the eyes that all the other Muppets do. She looks like a Fraggle from Fraggle Rock. Exactly. I think that's exactly what she is. <laughs> Which would make sense why she's from our oh, Sesame Street team. That's that's a good in joke for people who are into Muppets. Anyway, he plays Mr. Noodle. That's what I know him from. <laughs> yeah, he's well on that he is an actual clown as well. Huh. He, and I'm not making this up, went to clown college, and he went to college in Ohio before then. He went huh. to Oberlin, which I visited once on a, uh, on a college tour. I decided not to go there. But I could have, he could, we could have been alumni together. Yeah. And I think if you just type below and clown into YouTube, there's at least like a 40 minute video of him doing stuff. That's and definitely a load. Yeah. That is not no. stuff that I had on my list, though. <laughs> it wasn't. Well, we have different brands. Yeah. Uh, what was what was on your list, Matt? This is the second and third time that Anne Hathaway is going to come up, but he is in Interstellar and Rachel getting married. So, uh, Interstellar. Have you seen either of those? I've seen Interstellar. Okay. Going to drop so this he... right here. Don't think Interstellar is super great. I. I'm at the point where I'm like, I appreciate it, and I think one viewing it in the next few years will eventually push me over to, okay, it all clicks for me now. I think Interstellar could, like, legitimately lose an hour. Yeah. And probably it's like, be okay. Yeah, it's, the, like, the second lot of 40 minutes that loses me because it spends so much time away from everything else. Yeah. And then it comes back, and, like, so all of, like, that, like, final half of it is something which I know should, like, all resonate for me, but because... I've had, like, that period of not caring as much, it doesn't. I also think that the general resolution to everything in that movie is dumb, and it goes against pretty much everything that the movie had worked to do to be a hard sci-fi film. It's... We're going to spoil Interstellar here. I don't think love saving the day and transporting through time and space is a great ending, and I don't think it's earned in that film. And I know that there's arguments about how it wasn't really love and all this stuff, but that's what the film wants you to believe. And if there are enough people who read a film that way, then the filmmakers did not do their job in getting their point across clearly. Yeah, it's it's because of the way that a lot of the movie is prone to monologues and having to explain. I think it gets obscured by the fact that it it can't like plainly state it because it is like the big moment of theme. And then it sort of becomes more tangled and everything. Right. Like, I get what they were going for. I really do. I don't think they got it. Though I'm in the minority here. A lot of people really like that movie and good for them. Mm. And it's, it was, it was actually the reason that I, like, going into Dunkirk this year, I was like, I don't know. I'm, it's been a while since, like, Nolan's had, like, a real hit with me. I don't know whether he's on, like, a downward trend. And then, you know, I got to Dunkirk and was like, no, that this may actually be hit like his best or oh. close to it. So, I am interested in seeing that. I just, <laughs> I just haven't. Yeah, and I, I say that as someone who was going into Dunkirk, like, I don't know, the trailers haven't really shown me like anything to latch onto from a character perspective. And then the movie started, and I'm like, oh no, this is tense as hell, and I care about everyone escaping from this beach. <laughs> That's awesome. So you, yeah. you're not a Nolan bro, is what I'm hearing. I like him, but there are people that I like more. So I, I'm not. I'm not really going to be. 
I'm not going to go like full contrarian and be like, actually, he makes awful movies, but. I mean, no, I don't think he this, does. Yeah. But Matt, Matt, you you obviously know that The Dark Knight is the height of American cinema, and there's nothing that's ever going to, you know, come close to it, right? If only this hadn't come the week after I realized I liked The Dark Knight Rises the most. Hi! <laughs> that's an opinion. That's an opinion. <laughs> I do not share that opinion at all. But I haven't I like, seen any of these in maybe four years. I had to bag and board a load of stuff this week, so I was like, I need yeah. a long movie. So yeah. I just put it on in the background, and then like, there's a lot of stuff that I like. And it, it, it is oddly paced, because it takes an hour, like an hour and a half before Batman gets his back broken. But there's right. enough in like, at least that first hour and a half where I'm like, this is my favorite part of everything Batman that he's done. Yeah, like, you, I've, I've never heard anyone say that that's the best one, so good for you. Way, way to have a opinion, and I'm, I'm, glad it, I'm glad you enjoy it. I'm glad I, it had this effect on people. I hear a lot of people saying Batman Begins is the best, and I disagree with that pretty hard. Because I don't think Batman Begins is, like, amazing. I think it's perfectly fine and good. I, I was torn about that for a while, and when I was like, I don't really know how to... F- fully judge the dark knight because of everything surrounding ledger yeah and so it was like do i just want to put them on equal standing i mean look again haven't seen it in a while but what i remember the dark knight's real real good yeah well, I, I, like the thing is even hit to even if i was to be like oh the dark knight is the bad one or batman begins is the worst one it's like so one of them's maybe like a 7.5 at worst mm-hmm. and it goes all the way to a nine it's not really like a well. One of them's like a complete five out of ten. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's fair. Anyway, Interstellar talk. Bellow and plays Tars, which is like the robot. Yeah, he's a robot. Takes, yeah, but it, it's an interesting design because of the fact so that they sort of removed any need for it to look like a human or anything. It's just sort of like, what if we put the necessary parts in a robot? And he's so so he's like four kind of three D rectangles joined together, and they can spin him on axis and everything. That's what they were going for. As a mechanical engineer, that's a bad design. It's a bad design. It doesn't make any real sense, but it's a sci-fi movie, so I can accept that and move on. Yeah. So he's also in Rachel Getting Married, which I coincidentally rewatched yesterday, which is a movie where Anne Hathaway plays a drug drug addict who comes home for her sister's wedding, and uh, Bill Irwin plays their father. And so he's in that position of needing to make sure everything goes smoothly, and it's tougher than normal because of like the extra conflict in the family of this new, or like new in quotation marks element coming in and adjusting friction and what the tendencies they've gotten used to since Anne's character's been gone. You you know I do like the uh, I I do think this exemplifies a big difference in our approach to this podcast. You're talking about this award-winning character drama about, you know, a family coming apart and trying to figure themselves out. And I'm talking about Elmo. <laughs> it's good. It's the range, that's the range that I wouldn't have hit because I would have been like, I can't talk about Elmo. So we'll just leave this off. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. But no, Rachel, Rachel getting married. I'll have to add that to uh, my watch list. Yeah. All right. Uh, the next person that I have on the list is Amber Midthunder, who <laughs> plays Carrie. And Amber Midthunder has been in Legion. Yeah. She has had very small roles in some other things. I enjoy her in Legion, and I 
wish her great success moving forward, but she's been in Legion. Yeah. I have Hella High Water on my list, but she's in like a two-minute scene at most, and she gets maybe three lines. It's more of one between Ben Foster and Chris Pine. Huh. To the point where when I saw it on the IMDb list, I was like, no, she's not. And had to like trawl through images and like, oh, no, that is her. Like, yeah. out of focus and not the point of the scene. Well, she got paid, I'm sure. Yeah. So, the next person, uh, Katie Asselton, who mm. plays Amy in Legion. And I know her from a show called The League, which is about a fantasy football league. I have not seen The League. Well, here's the thing about The League. One, I don't think you'll like it. Because it's kind of a trash show. It's not very... Like, it has moments. It goes on too long. Like, it's about four seasons too long. I heard that bit at the very least. Uh, Jenny, who she plays, is probably one of the more interesting characters. Because she plays... So her character is the wife of one of the guys in the Fantasy Football League. And at least in the first couple of seasons, the gimmick is... She essentially runs his fantasy football team, and he feels a great shame because all of his friends will make fun of him for it because they've been friends okay. their entire life, and you know they should all know football, and his wife's doing it, which is mm. fun. She ends up being like the most competitive character out of anyone, and it's a lot. It's a lot of fun. She's she's good in that role. The league is like I'm a guy who has two fantasy football teams this year. Oh yeah, it's on brand for you. Yeah, like I. I, I watched it. We watched it when we were in college. But it feels like it's a very, I'm in college during these specific years and I'm into football. Like, mm-hmm. you got to get all those things for it to work. But that's that's probably the biggest thing she's been in. I'm trying to think. I don't know of anything else I've seen her in that really stands out to me. What about she's you? Not in, she's not in anything that I've seen, but she's in... Well, the other things I had on my list are like casual togetherness and the puffy chair because she's worked with the Duplasses quite a bit. Yeah, she's married to Mark Duplass. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is nice. So, yeah, that's uh, Katie Asselton. Hmm. Next on our list is Gene Smart. Yeah, so... She's been in several things. Mm-hmm. But more, most recently, one that I really like is obviously Fargo Season 2. <laughs> She's very good in Fargo season two. Yeah, playing a matriarch called Floyd Gerhardt. So yep. she's the head of the clan after her husband Otto. Is it a stroke? Uh, yeah, he has a stroke. <laughs> Spoilers for the first episode of that show. I mean, like the inciting incident, it's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's. I, I mean, Gene Smart's been in a lot of stuff over the years. Mm. Like, a lot of stuff. Yeah. She's a very good actress. But she's I'm... in I Heart Huckabees with Side Tagmaui, who will be in Legion. Oh, I did not know that they were both in that. It's been a long time since I've seen it, so I think Side has a fair, like a far smaller role. But... I'd believe, I'd believe that. Yeah. Ah, oh, but yeah, uh, she's very good. Legion was kind of, or not Legion. I'm sorry, Fargo. I think really knocked her credentials out of the ballpark. Like I think that start. She's. She had gotten some Emmy Awards or nominations before, mm. but I think Fargo kind of brought her to a very specific audience that made them see, oh, shoot, she's a 
she is very good at being an actress. Though that could just be our age and the media that we have experienced. Yeah, well, it, well, it sort of happened with People vs. OJ and uh, Sarah Paulson as well, who has been doing consistent work for years on places like American Horror Story, and then People vs. OJ came out and everyone was like, oh, she look how great she is, and everything. So I think it can happen. I think it just, you know, with the right, with the right role, it's enough to be like, you know, to take notice of them in that way. So I've, I've got a parallel that I want to make. I want to see if you agree with it. Okay. I would I would put her, Jean Smart, in the same category as beloved character actress Margot Martindale. Like, she's uh, someone who's been in a lot yeah. of stuff. She's always very good in it, but she's not going to be, when you think of actresses, she's not going to make your top 50 people just because it's very rare for her to have, like, a standout role. Like, she's she's very yeah. rarely the lead. Like, looking through her TV credits, Fargo's the first time that she's really a, you know, the lead, lead character. Yeah. I don't know whether I would give her, like, the character actor distinction, but she's in that same class, I think. I'm really just saying character actor because of BoJack Horseman. Yeah. I don't know what it yeah. means. <laughs> I'm parroting here. <laughs> but, yeah, Gene Smart, what... What else did you have beyond Fargo? Because we have talked Fargo a lot yeah. on this show. It was reason. just it was just I Heart Huckabees. I think it's. I mean, there is a reason that I didn't really know her beforehand, like partly age, but also because stuff that she has done recently is more. If I like, I feel like I definitely watched the episodes where she was in Hawaii Five O, providing that's the first season where mm -hmm. she was the governor. But it's all you know, like that's not really a showcase in any way. No, no, I can't imagine it is. She's in an early episode of Halt and Catch Fire, but it's still as Halt and Catch Fire is trying to work out what show it is. She was in uh, uh, Hey Arnold. She she did oh, a voice yeah. for Hey Arnold, hmm. which that's a movie I had feelings about. Show TV. I, yeah, I probably wouldn't be able to. No, recall it, her from that. like I, I, it's again, it's something that I will not ever go back to watch. <laughs> but for like that 8 to 11 those few years that was mm. a show that really encapsulated a lot of real things that i felt like kids were dealing with like it felt like <laughs> a show about real human kids as opposed to a cartoon which was interesting mm. like it was it was good i liked it i think that's everything for her then which gives it leaves us with what one more yeah jermaine clement yeah jermaine clement's a very uh we could probably talk a lot about things that Jermaine Clements done. Mm. The main one is, well, it has to be Fire the Concords, though. I mean, that's that's his. That's the one I'd say is easily his first one. Mm. Yeah, which was a like his band at first, and then HBO let them make a show, and then they ran out of songs, so they stopped. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting. One, the ending of Flight of the Concords is bad. I don't like it. But that's part of mm. part of that is because the first, that's the second season, they essentially had to write all of the songs. In, it's it's like a sophomore slump thing. Like you got a you got a band who spent a really long time on all of their music for you know several years for their first album, and then yeah. they're told, hey, you have eighteen months to write, record, and start a, get, organize a tour for brand new music so get to town mm. so i i think they struggled a bit with that but i mean fly the concourse is fun 
It's a it's a Ooh. fun little show. I've I've gone back and watched a few episodes in the last couple of years and I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those shows that was a few years before people started really paying attention in a way. Yeah, it was it started like here's the thing with television, like the Sopranos had happened, which is mm. kind of the big watershed moment as far as films go, I think. Or not films. Oh T V goes. Like that's yeah, when like this this current period. Yeah, that's when it's like, oh, TV can be really, really good. And not to say there wasn't good TV before that, but that's when it became kind of a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. And it grew and grew. And, I, yeah, I think Flight of the Concords is part of that. And it's, Flight of the Concords is like at the very transition stage between then and this more recent generation of, like, peak TV. Yeah. Which is a term like, I don't like, but this is a show or a podcast about an FX show, so whatever. It's one that, well, that that term specifically is one where I looked at it at first and was like, okay, and then in the years since, it's become all I can assign to this period, and I have no idea how else to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's a very specific show. I liked it, but uh, mm. be, beyond that, he's been in some films. Yeah. Uh, probably he. I, I don't know. I think the film that I would most associate with him, in particular, is what we do in the shadows. Mm. Like that's that's a very Jermaine Clement film. Yeah. Well, he's working with uh, Taika Waititi, who is going to be directing the next Thor, but also did a couple episodes of Flight of the Concourse. Like it, that, that was like a very yeah, it was a very New Zealand specific thing. And he's, yeah, that, flood, or what we do in the shadows is very good. Go watch it. Mm. It's about vampires living their life. Uh, what else is in? Uh, he's in the Lego movie, or I'm sorry, the Lego Batman movie as Sauron. That is the, you know, the incarnation of evil in Lord of the Rings. He's voicing like a giant eye. <laughs> yes, to, like. I know someone here is a very big Lord of the Rings fan, and they're going to complain. It's like, well, actually, it's Morgoth who's the incarnation of evil. Come on, you know what we're talking about here. I'm just going to nip that in the bud real quick. (laughs) And then... uh, Moana? Moana! That's what I was going to say. Yes, he's he's Tamatoa in Moana, and (laughs) it's good. Moana was another movie that my son got very, very into. (laughs) It's not a bad one to get very into, though. It's not. Uh, I think Moana's very, very good. Mm. In fact, like, the that opening song, uh, Where You Are, it's something that, since it came out as I had a child, like, it was like a big, oh, I get literally everything that's coming on here, and I very much relate to the dad in this. Okay. Mm. I don't actually think that, like, I know a lot of people like his song. I think Shiny might be the weakest part of the movie. I, I, th- I feel like it's a good song, but it sort of feels a little bit like padding where it is in the movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, they added yeah. it because they were like, oh, wait, we got Jermaine Clement. Well, we need to give him a song, mm. which I understand the logic there. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. I don't think it flows all that well with everything else. And uh, just uh, compositionally, it's, it is completely different than anything else in the film. Like it doesn't have that Pacific Island feel to it. Even thing where things like a uh, you're welcome, where it may bring in some of the, you know, big band brass instrument stuff. 
it still mm. keeps like it keeps the uh, bongos and all the you know drumming and percussion stuff that is with everything else where shiny is completely different than all the other songs in the film mm-hmm. i've thought a lot about children's movies i i really have did we go one can over... hardly blame you <laughs> we went over at one point in this podcast how i wrote an entire fan theory about how legion was connected to the uh movie trolls right i feel like i brought that up maybe as a tangent but i don't know whether we went fully in depth with it <laughs> uh yeah uh it was it was dumb it was just me watching trolls because my son got very into that as well my son likes a lot of colorful cartoons shocking no parent ever but yeah uh, that's what Jermaine Clement's been in. Did you have anything else you wanted to add about uh, the hip hop no, anonymous? Were, those were the three that I had. Okay, well yeah. that's that's what I had. That's the cast yeah. of Legion, and that's where you can find them. A slightly episode. comprehensive overlook. <laughs> I think we got some deep cuts in there, yeah. especially if you have children. Yeah, maybe if this was, you know, depending on how long we had until Legion came back, we'd just read through their entire wikipedias but we could do yeah. that but We've... we're going to provide better content than that i yeah. hope ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah but no uh we haven't decided what we're doing next month uh this month was a little off i think for everyone just because I, w- I was starting a new podcast i had other concerns this month in particular mm-hmm. sorry so- sorry for neglecting you matt okay you're back now I am, I am, I'm back, I'm committed to Legion Quest, and I will be very committed once the show actually starts, but, uh, yeah, I think... The off-season is gone for a while, and, uh... The off-season is dragging. (laughs) I think next time we come back, we should do a day counter on how many days it's been from the off-season, and how many days we have left. Just so we can quantify this. (laughs) It would be nice if they just gave us, like, a rough date so we could plan, but... Oh, well. We'll survive. We are survivors here on Legion Quest. Now, if you like what you've heard today, uh, you can go to my website, XavierFiles.com, and you can, you know, check out all the other stuff I do. I write weekly articles about X-Men and X-Men-related things, including but not limited to Legion. Uh, I'm also on Twitter, at XavierFiles, and you can go to Patreon.com slash XavierFiles and pitch in a little bit that helps keep the show running helps support all of the projects in the xavier files media empire and it's a nice thing to do uh but matt where can people find you online uh at twitter it's matt underscore sibley and i'm also over at newsarama because i'm part of the best shots review team this week i reviewed savage town which is uh, Declan that graphic novel and comes out late september and uh, I guess once this is up, we'll probably have some coverage on the most recent issue of Secret Empire. The Roundup will be out sometime. There's quite a few books this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, also one thing which went up of mine a couple of weeks ago is about Matt Fraction's Casanova called The Ever-Shifting Dimensions of Casanova, which I'm quite proud of. That feels like the kind of thing that people who uh, watch Legion or listen to this podcast oh, yeah, would enjoy. Especially if you're already into comics. I don't know whether I would thrust it upon someone who hasn't read anything yet i feel like there's no one who listens to this particular legion podcast who doesn't already read a few comics Mm. like we keep it pretty comic heavy all things considered i mean you're not wrong 
Now that I think about it. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you're, you're a mm. comics reviewer. I'm a guy who writes comic articles every week. Yeah, we're going off that's the, we are going off the specific deadline. Things. Yeah, th- this is how this is going to happen. This is where this is going to go. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, beyond that, you may also be interested, and I already pitched it once, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug it one more time. Battle of the Atom. It's a weekly podcast, and if you like listening to me talk about things, you can go to Battle of the Atom, where I talk about things that I know too much about, <laughs> which is fun, which is fun. We actually have a lot of good episodes. The one that just went up the week we're recording this, and I think the week this will come out, uh, has Worst X-Man Ever by Max <laughs> Bemis on it, and that story is a very yes. good story. That is one when, even when everyone was like, oh, X-Men in this period is weird. I'm like, but have you read this? Because it's weird, but not in the way that you're using it. Yes. Good stuff. That is very good stuff. This has been Legion Quest. It's technically still August, so we got you a monthly episode. Uh, Until next month, I'm Zach. This is Matt. Yeah. That's Matt. (laughs) I'm not. uh, Yeah, yeah, see you then. End of September again. Yeah, we'll figure something. No, who knows when this is going out? We can't do end of September. We can't do end of September because Gifted comes out beginning of October. So we got we got time. We that have right. no idea how long this hiatus will last. Please come back to us, Legion. Bye. Bye. David. David. Shall we begin? <laughs>